everyone, and welcome to Spirit-Led Hope. My name is Glenn Erickson, and in this episode, we're going to look at scripture that supports the view that the gift of prophecy is for today. In prior episodes, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit and gave a brief overview of the gifts of the Spirit. Starting in this episode, we're going to examine the gifts in more detail, and we're going to start with the gift of prophecy. In this episode, we're going to also talk about tongues some, because prophecy and tongues are often bunched together in 1 Corinthians. Now, remember, our goal isn't just to increase our intellectual understanding of these gifts, but really we want to function them so that we can be a benefit to others. We want to take on the character of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us so we do the things Jesus did. I also mentioned in a prior episode that not all Christians believe that gifts of the Spirit, like prophecy, function today. When I was doing that episode, I didn't feel it was necessary to go into details explaining why I believe we can still experience gifts of the Spirit, but I think now it makes sense as we get into more details. Within the Christian community, there is room to believe differently. If we agree on a core group of essentials about the nature of God and the death and resurrection of Jesus, you know, things like that, we are free to disagree on peripheral topics, and spiritual gifts like speaking in tongues fall into that category. That said, how we experience our Christian life often depends on our peripheral beliefs. Until my mid-30s, I didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Prophecy to me meant the book of Revelation. But when I studied Scripture and saw the reality of these gifts, and then I experienced them, my life changed dramatically, and it changed dramatically for the better. I acknowledge that many Christians believe the gift of prophecy and other spiritual gifts stopped when the apostles died or shortly thereafter. If you believe this, then you believe the first Christians saw gifts of the Spirit in action, and then those gifts faded away. My hope is that in this episode, you'll be encouraged that the gifts of the Spirit did not disappear, but are still for today. We can experience them now. And if they are for today, then they're for you. Everyone with a desire to step out on spiritual gifts can have the confidence that God's for us, and He'll help us today, just like He did the early church. We should not be afraid that the first generation of Christians had opportunities to serve God that we do not. I believe it's important for every believer to be firmly established in their understanding of spiritual gifts, especially if you lean towards Pentecostal or charismatic beliefs. And here's why. Stepping out in spiritual gifts requires faith. So, it's important to you that you settle the matter in your own heart and mind. If you're not sure that gifts such as prophecy are for today, then it will limit your ability to fully function in that gift. If you're not sure that the gift of prophecy is for today, and you don't find what I say in this episode to be enough, then I encourage you to do your own study. There are plenty of resources on the internet, both for and against the continuation of spiritual gifts. If you're having a hard time getting started, search for the words cessationism or continuationism, and you will find a whole bunch of material to look at. I'm going to put those two words in the episode description, so you don't need to worry how to spell them, because those words are a mouthful. 
to twist your tongue even more, people that believe the gifts of the Spirit have ended are called cessationists. If you believe the gifts are still functioning today, then you're a continuationist. By self-admission, you've probably already figured it out, I'm a continuationist. In showing how the gift of prophecy is for today, I'm going to do something I don't like to do. I'm going to take some of the approaches a cessationist would take, and I'm going to tell you why I don't agree with them. I don't like doing that because it can come across as adversarial, and that certainly is not my intent. Hopefully, this will come across as more conversational than adversarial. The reason I'm doing this method is because if you do your own internet research, you're going to find these arguments in many different forms. If I were doing an interview right now with a cessationist, I would have to address these few things because they would naturally come up in the conversation. Probably the most common argument I've heard made by cessationists is based on 1 Corinthians 13.8, which goes like this. Let me just read it to you. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. All right, so this verse is very clear. Paul, and remember, Paul's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul was given a look into the future, and he could see that these things would end. So he tells us that. We know these things will end. But the question is, did Paul know when that time would be? Did he know when these things would end? And the answer is yes, he did, because Paul goes on to say this in the following verse. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Okay, so when the perfect comes, that's the time when prophecies are going to end. So the next question is, what's the coming of the perfect? Many cessationists believe that the perfect is the Word of God. So in other words, when all the scriptures used in the Bible were written, that's when the perfect arrived. If you believe this, then it makes sense that prophecies would fade away after the apostles died. I don't believe that Scripture supports this view, because Paul tells us what the perfect is in the following verses. So, Paul goes on to say this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Here are some key words. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Paul here is speaking of the time when Jesus returns, and we see him face to face. We won't need the gift of prophecy anymore because our job as ambassadors will be over. We'll have some kind of new job. We won't need to represent Jesus because Jesus will be there himself, the church will be complete, and we'll have clarity because we'll know him fully. This is what Paul is saying. This says nothing about the biblical text. But I want to also appeal to the very nature of the text that we're reading. 1 Corinthians is a letter written to a very troubled church. They were having all sorts of issues, and Paul had no problem correcting them. But look at the structure of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. In chapter 12, Paul describes the gifts of the Spirit, and then he ends by saying, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then he goes on into chapter 13, and he inserts this beautiful teaching of love. We talked about that some in the last episode. Then Paul goes on in chapter 14 
and immediately encourages the church again to desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And he follows this up by explaining how to use prophecy and tongues. We just saw in chapter 13 that Paul was given a vision of when prophecies would end. If he thought the prophecies would end in a few years, it makes no sense for him to go on and teach the Corinthians how to operate in this gift. What does make sense is that Paul was concerned that the church in Corinth had lost the way of love, and he wanted to fix that. Why? Because spiritual gifts must be used in the context of love. That's one of the themes we've had up to now in this podcast. Never once does Paul scold the church for functioning in spiritual gifts or say that they will soon end. In fact, just the opposite. He encourages the Corinthians in gifts. Paul doesn't believe spiritual gifts are going to stop anytime soon, and he doesn't want them to stop. He just wants spiritual gifts to be used correctly. We see this by the summary verse of chapter 14. This is how the chapter closes out. So, my brothers, earnestly desire prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things must be done decently and in order. This is how Paul closes this whole section. These verses are directives spoken with an apostolic authority. This verse we just read still applies to us today. We should desire to prophesy, and we should not be forbidding others from speaking in tongues. By the way, did you notice that in some of the verses we just read, Paul talks about prophecy and tongues at the same time? I think it's often hard to separate them because of the way Paul speaks. I think the way the two gifts are linked together can sometimes cause a rejection of prophecy. I'm going to talk more about that just a bit later. Another argument that's often made to show that spiritual gifts ended is that spiritual gifts, and really especially the gift of tongues, were primarily used as signs to show that God was doing something major and special. There is certainly truth to this. This is why we see tongues spoken at Pentecost, and then throughout the book of Acts, as special groups of people experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in addition, you know, spiritual gifts clearly validated the work of the apostles because they were doing what Jesus did. An argument that cessationists often make is that there are no more reasons for these signs. They've already been done. You know, they, they did their work. And of course, if there are no signs needed, then no gifts are needed. Now, interestingly, Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, this is a little bit of a long section of Scripture, and we're not going to go to in detail, but I'll kind of summarize it after I'm done reading. This will be 1 Corinthians 14, 22 and 25, in case you do your own study. Thus, tongues are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are all out of your minds? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now, there is a lot we could unpack here, because actually this is referring to some Old Testament verses also. But here's the point I want to draw out right now. Here, Paul is talking 
about the ongoing use of tongues and prophecy as signs. I mean, think about it. When Paul wrote this, Pentecost was in the rearview mirror. The Holy Spirit had already fallen on the Gentiles. Those were big signs for the world, right? Those were massively huge signs. But here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is speaking about God's heart to reach people where they are, you know, one by one, in a gathering of the local church. These things are happening when believers are present. And gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy, become, I'll just say it this way, they become personal signs that can point someone to God. God is still in the business of showing signs to people, and the gift of prophecy is one of those ways. Paul is pointing out here that these signs are ongoing in the local church. I believe that many people who say prophecy ended say it for two reasons. The first reason is that they don't quite know what the gift of prophecy is. And the second reason is because they don't understand the gift of tongues. And tongues and prophecy are often listed together in Scripture, just like I mentioned earlier. Because tongues can be very confusing, and face it, it can be very problematic, I think it's often rejected as a spiritual gift. But when tossing out tongues, I think prophecy often goes with it. But think about this. Prophecy is a Holy Spirit-inspired message that brings strength and comfort and encouragement. Now, that sounds to me like a good Sunday sermon given by a good, fruitful pastor. I kind of suspect that many pastors believing in cessationism are really functioning in the gift of prophecy. And I certainly hope that they are. I hope they're not giving a sermon based only on head knowledge, because that's only going to get them so far. I want to look at one final reason why many reject prophecy as a gift of the Spirit for today. And again, it has more to do with its association to the gift of tongues, like we've been talking about. If you really want tongues to go away, you can see from the verses we looked at in 1 Corinthians that you almost must get rid of prophecy because Paul often includes them in the same sentence. In other words, if speaking in tongues is not a legitimate gift, it casts doubt on all the gifts of the Spirit discussed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you pursue your own study in this area, you'll find that one motivation for rejecting the gift of tongues is because tongues are often used in distinctly non-Christian settings. Speaking in tongues has been around a long time, and it is not limited to Pentecostal or Charismatic Christians. The truth of the matter is that speaking in tongues is often used in pagan and cultic rituals. People that are demonically possessed may speak in an unknown language. Because this gift appears to be used in ungodly ways, some cessationists use this as a reason for rejecting the gift of tongues. And there are similar relationships between the gift of prophecy and cultic oracles, for example. I believe we want to be very careful about rejecting any spiritual gift because it has been abused or misused. I mean, it's clear there are counterfeit gifts. Think about the account in Acts uh, of the fortune tellers following Paul and Silas around. She had a legitimate ability and was calling them out, you know, as servants of God. But here's a key point. The only way to have a counterfeit is if there's something real to copy. 
And that's what we see with spiritual gifts. There are real gifts, but they can be misused, abused, and counterfeited. Because we see these things with spiritual gifts, I appreciate why it would seem better just to say they're done. I mean, if we can say that gifts of the Spirit ended with the apostles, then we wouldn't have to deal with this mess that we sometimes see around spiritual gifts, primarily around prophecy and tongues. I have had to be in that role, and it is no fun. I understand why if you're a pastor that doesn't believe in these gifts, you don't want them to be real, because it's there's extra work. Let's just say it that way. But there are also extra blessings, and so we need to keep that in mind. But here's a very important question. Which gift of the Spirit is the most abused and misused? When I think about it, I conclude that the most abused and misused gift of the Holy Spirit is the Bible. Now, the Bible isn't listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but it is a gift of the Spirit. The writers of the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the heart of God in a way that would build us up, strengthen us, and encourage us. The Bible is the ultimate prophetic word. But if we're candid, we also know that its words have been twisted and misused. Well, do we discard the Bible because of that? No, of course not. What do we do? Instead, we try to teach it properly. We try to show people the right way to read it, the right way to understand it, and the right way to live it. That's what we do. And I believe that we need the same attitude towards spiritual gifts. So, instead of rejecting them, let's learn how to use them the way that God intended. Let's be so mature in the fruit of the Spirit that people are attracted to us. And then let the Holy Spirit work through us with His gifts. I hope that this has given you confidence that the gift of prophecy is for today. I know in this episode we talked about speaking in tongues along with prophecy, but we needed to do that because of the way the two gifts are combined in 1 Corinthians. If you have more questions, well then don't be afraid to do your own study. And of course, more is going to become clear as we continue in the following episodes. If you're listening and you believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have stopped, then I trust you'll consider what we've discussed here. You know, we can agree to disagree, but I hope that you also keep on listening to the next few episodes because you may find that the gift of prophecy when used properly is something beautiful from God. I also think that when people see the gifts of the Spirit taught and used properly, it's easier to have a conversation on what the Bible says about the cessation or continuation of the gifts of the Spirit, because it automatically removes some of the barriers that come up. In the next episode, we're going to focus exclusively on the gift of prophecy. I hope that you'll prepare yourself by following what Paul said and begin to eagerly desire this gift so that you'll be ready to receive it and so that it can function through you in a beautiful way. And now as we end this episode, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until next episode, take care.